Father in heaven, thank you so much for this past week. Thank you for watching over us. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for leading us to this point. And Lord, the fact that we can study together and listen to a, a study together, we are so thankful because you've preserved our life. And we also want to thank you for the Sabbath hours that are upon us. I pray that you would please draw close to us in this time, and especially as we open your Bible to read and study. May you lead us and guide us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, and help us to take away from this lessons that would speak to each of our hearts and give us the wisdom to know how to apply it today as well. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So in our care group, we have been studying Matthew chapter 5. And last week, we looked at our communication, how we should communicate. And we looked at how our communication, when we say yay and then nay, it's like lying. Well, we're going to continue from that. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 38. Matthew 5, 38, please um, follow along in your Bible. Make sure you have your Bible open. And if you're using your phone to watch video, then go grab your physical Bible, okay? Want to make sure that you see the words for yourself. The more points of learning we can have, not just through hearing, but seeing and reading for ourselves, the more we will retain. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. This is what the Bible says. You have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law, take away thy cloak, coat, and let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain, give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Matthew 5, 38 to 42 is what we'll be studying today. And really, what is Jesus talking about here when he says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? He is referring to revenge. He's talking about justice, equality. You know, so when someone take, plucks out your eye, you pluck out theirs. If they hit out your tooth, you hit out theirs. So it's equality. Do unto others what you want them to do unto you. Something that I repeat a lot to my children. You know, how we treat each other. If you want to be treated a certain way, then make sure you treat others a certain way. So with this study, it seems like Jesus is talking about revenge or justice. But, you know, Jesus was actually quoting from the Old Testament. Moses was the one that gave this law at the very beginning. Let's go over to Leviticus chapter 14, and we're going to read from verse 17. Leviticus chapter 14, and we're reading from verse 17. The Bible says this, And the rest of the oil that is in thine hand shall the priest put upon the tip of the right ear of him that is to be cleansed, and upon, hmm, it seems like I have typed out um, the wrong Bible text. Give me a minute. I'm pretty sure that that is not what it's referring to there. Um, Leviticus chapter 24. I'm sorry. Leviticus 24 and verse 17. Now I need to turn there in my own Bible. Leviticus 24, not 14. Leviticus 24 and starting in verse 17. This is what the Bible says. And this is how you know it's live, okay? That's not pre-recorded. Leviticus 24, verse 17, And he that killeth any man 
shall surely be put to death. And he that killeth a beast shall make it good, beast for beast. And if a man cause a blemish in his neighbor, as he hath done, so shall it be done to him. Breach for breach, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. As he hath caused a blemish in a man, so shall it be done to him again. And he that killeth a beast, he shall restore it. And he that killeth a man, he shall be put to death. He, he shall have one manner, ye shall have one manner of law, as well for the stranger as for one of your own country, for I am the Lord your God. So when Jesus was talking, you have been you have heard it, it had been said of all time, an eye for an eye and a tooth from a tooth, a tooth for a tooth. He was quoting from Leviticus 24. But what was he really talking about here when Moses gave this law in Leviticus 24? Is Jesus saying that Moses was wrong? But everything that Moses taught the children of Israel, really it was from God. So what was he referring to here in Leviticus 24? You see, how is this different to what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 5, where it seems like Jesus is throwing away what Moses taught the children of Israel. Well, you see, the difference is this. In the Old Testament, God's people were a nation. They were a nation. It was one nation, one religion, and their, their leader was God. It's what you call a theocracy. So God was the one in charge. He was the one that was leading the nation and Moses was his spokesperson. And so when Moses quoted this and gave the laws, what he was doing was giving laws in how to govern a nation. And that is, I think, how nations are still run today. If someone does an offense, they go to prison. Not many countries nowadays have death penalties, but some still do. So if you kill a person, maybe you'll be put to death. You're found with drugs, you're put to death. At least I know that that happens here in Malaysia, right? But look, the laws that were given in Leviticus were for the running of a nation. Now, here's the difference. When Jesus was speaking in Matthew chapter 5, God's people were no longer a nation. They were no longer a theocracy. They were scattered all over the place, all the way from Rome, all the way down to Egypt. They were scattered everywhere. And we know this from Acts chapter 2, when they all were coming back, people were from different languages were hearing Peter preach in their language where they were born. So the Jews at that time were already scattered everywhere. They were no longer one nation under God and one religion. And so in Matthew chapter 5, they could not, at least Jesus was saying, you can't treat um, the person the same way that you're wishing to be treated in a sense from a civil standpoint. And so civil laws were okay to be like that. However, in your treatment of your friends, in your treatment of your neighbor, in the treatment of your enemy who hasn't killed you, he hasn't even stolen anything from you, you should treat them differently, okay? So here's the thing. When you look at Leviticus, right, what offenses are these talking about? A person that killed another person, a person that damaged another person's goods like a cow. So those are pretty serious offenses, it seems, right? But what was Jesus dealing with 
in Leviticus, I mean, in Matthew chapter 5, he was talking about one, what? Someone that just slapped you. Another that just took your coat. Another person that sued you or borrowed from you. You see that? So when it came to the offenses that Jesus was talking about, it wasn't even the same level to what Moses was referring to. Yes, an eye for an eye, someone kills, maybe death penalty, or at least they should go to prison. So even the offenses were on a different level. Remember, God's people in the Old Testament, they were a nation. In Matthew chapter 5, they were no longer a nation. They were scattered everywhere. They, were only, they only had religious power. So even when they were trying to kill Jesus, Pilate said, why don't you try them under your laws? Said, yeah, well, we can't put a person to death, only you can. So that's why we brought him to you. We've already tried him as far as we could. We found him guilty, but you've got to give the rubber stamp. You see that? So when we're talking about an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, Jesus, he's using this command that was given by Moses in the Old Testament, but he's showing us, at least in that time, that people had taken it out of context. And they were not only out of context, but they were abusing the law that Moses had given. So, how were they treating this command? They were retaliating at the smallest of things. People were, re were retaliating at the smallest of things. Slapping of a cheek. That, that doesn't require the civil authorities to come in unless you're badly hurt and you're ended up in the hospital, right? But it just says here, someone slapped you on the cheek, turn the other also, right? Okay, another person was suing you at the law. They want your coat. Look, they're not suing you for your house. And when you think about it, right, when someone sues you just so they, they want your jacket, don't you think that's pretty trivial matter? Just give it to them. Don't even go to the court of law, Jesus is saying. Something so small, give them too. You see that? So, seems serious, oh, they're suing you, but when you look at the details, it really wasn't that serious. And then, they're compelling you to go a mile. So, these things that Jesus is talking about is really trivial matters, really small issues. And they were quoting Moses, they were quoting the Bible, they were quoting scripture saying, the Bible says we can do that. You see that? So Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. That's what it said of all time, but it's not that he's rewriting, but he's reminding them that that law cannot be used in that context that you're talking about now. So look, on one hand though, it sounds like Jesus is saying what? It's okay to let people take advantage of you. No, he's not. He's not saying it's okay for people to take advantage of you, all right? So if someone is borrowing from you, should you really give them, maybe mortgage your house and, and, and give them the money? If you're looking at the context of all, all of these things, it looks really small. Someone just slapped you. Someone's suing you for your jacket. Just give it to them. Give them extra. They're telling you to go one mile. One mile in those days wasn't very far. People walked everywhere. It wasn't very far. And then they want to borrow from you. What's 50 ringgit? Just lend it to them. In fact, just give it to them. Don't even worry about getting it back, right? So it's, it's these small little things. Not that you should be feeling used. If someone borrowed 50 ringgit from me and didn't return it, 
I would not be feeling used at all. Okay? So you've got to be careful when you're looking at the command that you don't stretch it beyond what Jesus was talking about. Okay? But instead of exacting justice, excuse me for a minute. Something has happened here. Okay. Instead of exacting justice, what does Jesus recommend that we do? He recommends to go beyond what they ask. Okay? He recommends to go beyond what they ask. In this case, it's what? They slap you, turn the other side. They take your coat, give them your cloak. And they ask you to run a mile, go with them too. So when, when they ask you to do something, go beyond what they're asking. Look, once again, this is not in response to letting people abuse you and take advantage of you. But how do you react in the smallest of matters, okay? When people come knocking on your door, do you have to lend them? No, but if it's something small, just let them have it, especially if you have the means, right? But look, let's look at these actions. Number one, they smite you. Number two, they sue you. Number three, they compel you. And number four, they ask. The question isn't so much the situation only as Jesus, he can't cover everything. But the question was more about how we respond. Because every time Jesus gives us the example of a response. How do you respond when people do these things to you? How do you retaliate when people treat you this way? How should you retaliate? You should turn. You should let him. You should go. You should turn not away. As far as possible, we should help those in need. And as far as possible, we should not retaliate. Okay? Yes, even at the expense of ourselves. Sometimes we like to fight for the smallest of things, isn't it? Not, not the fact that that small thing is so important. Not because we can't afford to let it go or let it be thrown away or just given to others. But sometimes it has sentimental value. Sometimes we haven't used it for years. We still want to keep it because we, we're just a hoarder. Sometimes it's just a matter of pride. You slapped me. I can't take this. I'm going to have to slap you back. Because if I don't, people will think that I don't care or I let you win, right? Sometimes it's about, I just got to be right. I don't care, you see? And Jesus says, look, these small things, learn to let it go. Learn to let it go. I want to look at this in the context of the Beatitudes, um, that passage, you see, the first section is that Beatitudes, and it teaches us really how to be born again, how to be a child of the kingdom, how to be a true Christian. And at the end of the Beatitudes, you're persecuted. It'll be, it'll be evidence that you've gone through the Beatitudes. But right after that, verse 17, no, just before that, is Jesus tells us to be salt and light of the earth, right? So be a witness. And then from verse 17 to 20, Christ establishes a law. He says, I've not come to change it, 
not even a jot or a tittle has changed. It will last till the very end. And then it says, don't hate your brother. It's just like killing. That's Matthew 5, 21 and 26. And then Matthew 5, 27 to 32, don't lust in your heart after a woman. That's like adultery. Okay, you committed adultery in your heart. And then last week we studied Matthew 5, 33 to 37. Make sure your communication is clear. If not, it's like lying. And then today we're studying 38 to 42, don't retaliate. Look, how does this last one fit in with the theme of what we've been looking at so far? It's basically the last six commandments that Jesus has been pointing us to, right? Um, don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't lie, at least those three, last three. But why is this so important when it comes to retaliation? You see, friends, how we treat other people, how we treat others, it's a revelation of whether we are the salt or the light of the earth. It's not just about being right. It's about being righteous. You know, when I'm reminded of the story in the Old Testament with Abraham and his nephew, Lot. You guys familiar with this? Lot, he left with Abraham when he left Ur of the Chaldees behind. And I don't know what the reason was, but I guess he was very close to Abraham. But the two of them, they were together for quite a number of years and both their tribes grew and grew and grew and grew. And it got to this point where the land could not hold the both of them and their workers were arguing together. I don't think Abraham or Lot were arguing, but their workers were. You know, Abraham had over 400 servants. And so they were both very large, a small little city, you could say. And so Abraham was the one that raised up the point about what? I think we should part, all right? We should go our separate ways. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. You go north, I'll go south. Lot, you choose first. And the funny thing is this, Abraham, he was the old one. He could have said, Lot, I'm taking that place. That's the most fertile. That's what Lot chose though. He chose Sodom because it was very fertile in the land there. So he chose that and he allowed Lot to do this even though he was the younger. What would have been the right thing to do? Abraham should have gone first. But he allowed Lot to choose first. And even after Lot went first and he left, God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, I want you to lift up your eyes. Look to the north, south, east, west, everything, 360 degrees, even including Sodom, where your nephew just went, I've given it to you. You see that? Sometimes we are so, we fight so hard to be right that we lose our righteousness. And Jesus says, if you want to be salt of the earth, if you want to be light of the earth, you got to let these little things go. Stop pushing to be right all the time. How you react is more important than being right. And you know, friends, sometimes we just love to be right. After we, we know that we've been right, we just love to take the truth and smash it into the face of those that are wrong. You know, but Jesus is saying, your love for me will be evident in how you treat other people. Your love for me is evident in your love for others.
This is how we can be a blessing to the rest of the world. You see, the Pharisees, they were religious. Yeah, they went to church. They probably never missed church. And look, don't misunderstand me. The first four commandments are really important. Don't have other gods before me. Did you go back and memorize the Ten Commandments this past week? If you haven't, you still got time because you're still breathing. But look, don't misunderstand me. The first four commandments are important. Don't have other gods before me. Don't worship idols. Don't take God's name in vain. And remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, upon which we are in holy time already. But look, going to church, not cursing, keeping the Sabbath is important, but that is not what tells my love for the people out there. It's how you are different to the rest of the world, how you treat each other, even in the smallest of things, even when someone really is trying to cheat you. So look, Sabbath is important. The mark of the beast is connected with the Sabbath. No other commandment. It is the commandment which identifies who God is. He is the creator God. It is the commandment that Satan hates the most because all he has ever wanted is to be God. But that's important. However, Jesus is not brushing that aside because he taught about all of that in his other teachings and how he lived his life. But these last six, it's our love to our neighbor. How do you treat others? And in this case, it's not just anybody. But how do you treat this group of people that hit you, that sue you over the smallest thing, like a coat? How do you treat that person that compels you to go one mile? Do you know what that means? It's like, oh, I run a marathon, of course, sure, I, I, I'll, I'll, one mile, that's nothing, I'll do it in a couple of minutes. Nah, that's not what the Bible is talking about there. That's not what Jesus is talking about. You see, in the olden days, in the Old Testament and the New, when the Roman soldiers came into rule and the Roman army, they came in, a soldier could go up to any person. A soldier could go up to any citizen and just place their bags on him and say, you got to carry this for me for one mile. And they had to do it. Ah, instead of complaining, instead of getting upset, um, Jesus is saying, go with them too. You see that? So he's not saying just go for a jog for one mile. Jesus is saying when the person compels, and the key word there is compel, which is forcing you. If someone forces you to go a mile, go with them too. Don't complain. Just go the extra. Yeah? The small things. And then when they borrow, just give it to them. Don't turn them away as much as you're able to. You know, sometimes some people can borrow $10. Let me go home and pray about it. And you, then you go down the street to spend $10 at the, at the McDonald's or something, or you spend $10 without thinking about it. But then we got to lend to somebody. We got to fast about it and pray about it. But friends, just lend them. If you have the money, if you have the means, you have the ability, just give it to them. Because sometimes you kick up a fuss, people don't even want to borrow from you anymore, right? So Jesus is talking about these little things. How should you treat, not your friends, but people that are making a big deal about small things? How should you respond? Well, three of them, you know, it seems like at least three of them have evil intent. One's hitting you, one's suing you, one is compelling you. 
So you can't even say that they're just your friends that are making a big deal out of small things. They are quite even possibly people that hate you. The Romans hated the Jews and the Jews hated the Romans back. You know, and um, you can imagine this as Jesus is talking about this compelling of a mile, go with them too. Um, it's, it's too much for the people to bear. The people are looking at Jesus as the deliverer, as the Messiah who's going to come and rule this world and they're going to, he's going to kick the Roman armies out and destroy all the nations and the Jews will be the top of the world again. They're looking as Jesus like that and now Jesus comes in with this teaching. If a Roman soldier comes up to you and puts their bag on you and say, go a mile, go, don't complain. That's what Jesus is saying. It must not have sat well with this group of people at all. And so, it was a new revelation to many of them. They must have been unhappy listening to this sermon. You know, you think about this. This is a pretty straight message for the Jews. Jesus is very clearly preaching to them and teaching to them about what? The spirituality of God's kingdom and not its literal fulfillment coming in the clouds of glory with all his holy angels and he's going to bring them up to heaven and enjoy mansions up there. They were looking forward to that, but Jesus is saying before you can even get there, there is something that you have to deal with in your heart. There is the spiritual law that must be written in there because none of you are ready for heaven, Jesus says. So it must have been something so difficult for the Jews to accept this teaching so new, so unlike what they had been used to, so unlike what even the Pharisees had been teaching. But friends, how should we treat those that treat us this way? Let's turn our Bibles to 2 Peter, pardon me, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 23. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 23. This is what the Bible says. Who, when he, speaking of Jesus, was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. You know, friends, how should we react? We should react like Christ. And when I say this, I'm not there yet, friends. I'm not preaching to you as if I'm there. I am still growing. I am still struggling. I like to be right. I know that my carnal nature, it comes up and even the smallest of things, even the correction of English grammar, we got to get it right, you know? And what does Jesus say? He committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. You know what that word commit means? It means to surrender. It means to yield. It means to entrust ourselves to that person, meaning you give up your right, you're surrendering, and you're letting Jesus deal with it, no matter how he chooses to deal with it. And friends, if we do that, it takes a lot of faith. It takes a lot of trust in God. And sometimes we do it, but we do it in the wrong attitude. Uh, yeah, I'll give it to you, but God's, gonna, God's going to, to pour out his vengeance upon you one day. Watch out! and we still get angry and upset. We have to do it with the right attitude. We have to do it with the right 
behavior. And so it takes faith to trust people with our health, our wealth. It takes a lot of faith to trust God in how he's going to react. Jesus trusted himself to God. It got him crucified. So he reviled, he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. He didn't say, watch out. When I come back in the clouds of glory, you're going to be in trouble. He didn't say that. He didn't mock at them and say, ha, if only you knew what was coming. You know, we say all sorts of stuff. And it comes, rolls so naturally off my lips because, friends, I've said that so many times to different people. How should we react? Silence. Silence. Jesus, when he was accused, when he was mocked at, when he was threatened, he just remained silent. And that is difficult. You know why? Because sometimes when we remain silent, and we know that that person is wrong, and we remain silent, how does it make you feel? It makes you feel like, if I don't say anything, everybody else, and they also, they think they are right. And so we feel like we have to react. We feel like we have to say something. But Jesus, when he was reviled, when he suffered, he did not threaten. He reviled not again. He just remained silent and he committed himself to God. God, you know what you're doing. You will be vindicated. But you know why we react, friends? It's because we want to be vindicated. We want to make sure my name is protected, that Ben tells the truth, that Ben is in the right, that Ben didn't do anything wrong, that I didn't do anything wrong to deserve this. And so we have to react. We say a lot, isn't it? Let's go to Revelation chapter 6 and verse 10 and 11. Revelation 6 verses 10 and 11. What else does the Bible say? And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season, until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. Jesus says what? Wait. There are these souls that are under the altar that have been persecuted, that have been killed for righteousness sake, that have been hunted down like animals and fed to animals and burnt at the stake. They've been killed. And they're saying, how long, O Lord, don't you avenge us? They're crying out to God. And so, Lord, if there is a place to cry out and speak up, go to God in prayer and say, God, I can't take this anymore. How long before you avenge me? And the answer might just come. Wait, have patience. It's difficult, isn't it? It's not easy to wait upon the Lord. That's why it takes a lot of faith. That's why we gotta to learn to trust God or else we make mountains out of molehills. We make big deal out of small situations. Friends that we've had for life turn out to be enemies because of a jacket. It's not worth it, is it? But less than, even more so than that, God's name is defiled. People come into the church and they go, whoa, I see Christians treating each other this way. I don't want to join this church. 
and our attitudes and our characters are changed just simply because we've been treated unfairly, just because we want to be right. You know, Jesus was not teaching anything new. The Pharisees have, they, they, they had misconstrued God's law. And the character of God was defiled. Jesus' name was in the dirt, and he had to come and restore that. But let's go to Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 22. Proverbs 20 and verse 22. This was nothing new that Jesus was teaching. Proverbs 20 verse 22, the Bible says, Say not thou, I will recompense evil, but wait on the Lord, and he shall save thee. Solomon's writing. But you know what this reminds me of? King David. He was hunted like an animal by King Saul. He had done nothing wrong. He had only gone and done what Saul wanted him to do. And yet he committed himself to the Lord and learnt to wait upon him. Two times, King David had the opportunity to kill Saul. And his soldier said, just give me one strike. One strike is all I need. And your enemy will be put away. And David says, how can I raise my hand against the Lord as anointed? Right? So, waiting on the Lord. Well, King David had to wait for a few years before he could take the throne. He was anointed king long before that, even before he went into Saul's palace. But yet he had to wait how many years just for God to make him king? Proverbs 24, 29. This is nothing new, friends. Proverbs 24, 29. Say not, I will do so to him as he has done to me. I will render to the man according to his work. We must not say that. Let's not say in our hearts, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Let's not keep fighting for our rights and our life and our possessions and our money and all these small little things. Let's make sure that we commit ourselves to God who judges righteously. Proverbs 25, Proverbs 25, 21 and 22. Proverbs 25, 21 and 22. How should we react? If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. This is where Paul was quoting from in Romans chapter 12, verses 20 and 21. But at the end there in Romans 12, he says, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Even when people do go out of their way to make your life miserable and uncomfortable, do not overcome evil with evil. A negative with a negative does not make a positive. Two wrongs don't make a right. We must use God's weapons to fight this. Overcome evil with good. They compel you to go a mile, go two. They smite you on the left, give them the right. They sue you for your coat, give them your cloak also. Let's not keep fighting over little things. 
let's make sure that in all of this, we are righteous as Jesus is righteous. He let the wicked have their way, even though he could have put them in their place. But yet in the end, he suffered and he allowed himself to be crucified for people that hated him, that wrongly accused him, that brought false messages against him. And those were the big things. But friends today, we're not talking about big things. Look, if your friend owes you 500,000, please go get it back, it's a lot of money. Don't mortgage your house for your friend. But 100 ringgit, just let it go. Stop chasing after them. Don't make them afraid to come to church anymore because you're looking for 100 ringgit, right? So friends, this is the Christian's revenge. But in order to really have this sort of revenge, we really got to learn to commit ourselves to the Lord. We got to have patience. We got to have endurance. We got to have faith. Why? There is coming a time of trouble where people will do evil to you when you do good, just like Jesus Christ. They will kill you. They will torture you. They will put you in prison. The Bible calls it a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. And we'll be studying about that tomorrow in Daniel chapter 12. You've got to join us for Sabbath school at 10 o'clock. We'll be live streaming again. You don't want to miss it. But here, there is coming, coming at that time of trouble. And they hit you because you hurt them in some way. Maybe that is justifiable. But there's coming a time when they will hit you and you did nothing wrong. There might be people that Jesus is talking about here in Matthew 5 that are suing you because maybe you did do something wrong for them to sue you. Just give them your, uh, your cloak as well on top of that. But there's coming a time when you've done nothing wrong and people want to sue you and they will want to kill you and they will want to hurt you and they will want to take away your possessions. They will want to take your life away. Friends, if you cannot allow yourself to be cheated now over the small things, how will we pass the test at the end of time? And this is why Revelation chapter 14 and verse 12 says, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God, the spiritual law written in our hearts and minds, and the faith of Jesus. Look, I don't know what trials you're going through today. I know we're all under the same problem of the MCO and the virus and being stuck, but I don't know what sort of problems you're facing. And maybe to you, it's a really big mountain. Maybe the hundred ringgit really is a lot. Without it, you can't eat for the next week. And if that's you, you private message me. I will send you food myself. But how big are your problems? Are they so big that you justify an unrighteous character because of it? Are they so large that you step beyond the boundaries of God's law? just to fix this problem. Jesus, he's telling us today, learn to be silent under persecution. Learn not to retaliate. But if you are to retaliate, overcome evil with good. So that we can be a witness. We can be a salt of the earth and a light of the earth. Why? Because the whole world gives an eye for an eye. The whole world gives a tooth for a tooth. The Christian needs to be different. 
And Sabbath is the time to recharge our batteries. Sabbath is this time that we can give to God and say, Lord, this past week, I've reflected on it and I've failed. I've not been a light. I've not been a salt. I've not been a good witness through my texts, through my phone calls, through my work, through my school, through my interaction with people that I've met. Lord, please forgive me and help me to be different. But you can't just stop there. You've got to ask for the love of Christ. You've got to ask for his strength. And then you can claim the promise in Philippians chapter 4, 13 and say, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Friends, Jesus does not tell us in Matthew 5 something that it is impossible for us to do. It is only impossible if we try to do it in our own strength. It is only impossible if we are unwilling to let go and let Christ in. It is only impossible if we allow our carnal natures to still dictate what we should do. With Christ, all things are possible. With Christ, it is possible to let go of these small things. With Christ, it is the only way to be a light and a salt of the earth. My prayer is that we would all be like Jesus today, not just on the seventh day, not just on the Sabbath, but every day we would learn to reflect his character. We'd learn to rise above the little annoyances. We'd learn to let those things go and show a better character to the rest of the world. Friends, once again, I preach this to myself. I always tell people, if I wasn't a pastor, I'd be a policeman. I am all about justice. And God, he's made me a pastor to realize, Ben, that's not the right character to have. You've got to be different. And so friends, let's pray for us. Pray for each other. Pray for me, please, that we can all reflect the character of Christ, especially in this time of crisis. Too often, many of us, we wait for the crisis time to rise up and try to be a hero, when in fact, Jesus is trying to tell us every day we got to reflect his character. Would you do that? Would you pray with me? Pray that God would give us his Holy Spirit, that he, was he would transform us and change us from within, and that he would make us to be salt and light of the earth. Let's pray as we close here. Father in heaven, Lord, so many times we allowed our own human nature to carry us away. And so often we've thought we were right. We justified ourselves by telling other people or, or pointing to other people and saying that they are just like that. Maybe even the elder or the deacon or, or that longtime member who, who just seems like a nice person is like that as well. And we've justified our actions. But Lord, you yourself sent your son to teach us something different. He lived it, he modeled it, and Lord, we see it today. Please help us to be different from the world. Help us to be unlike the world and more like Jesus Christ. Help us to have his character. Help us to rise above all these little troubles. For Lord, as we do that, I know that you're preparing us for the greater trials that have to come upon this earth soon enough. May you mold our characters to be like you. Continue to lead and guide us, O Lord, and fill us continually with your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.